Well, if I preach too long today, it is my computer's fault. I'll explain that to you. Usually on Saturday nights, I'm up here and I'm finishing my message and I'm editing and I'm cutting things out. I usually start out with way too much stuff and I've got to cut it down. And I did that last night and I cut everything down and I marked all my pages. And then I usually come in on Sunday mornings and I, I take those scattered notes and I clean it up and cut it out and print it out and I'm ready to go. I came in this morning to do that very thing and my computer just went black. And so I've got all these notes, like way too many notes, <laughs> with, with scratches and markouts and arrows. And so I'm tempted just to lay my notes aside and just kind of wing it, you know. But today we're going to continue our series uh, called The Great Storyteller. It really is a series about the parables of Jesus. Jesus told around 30 parables in the Gospels of Mark, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in those three Gospels, there's about 30 different parables that He told. In this summer series, we're looking at seven of those parables. Some of those parables you know very well. Like the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. And, and you can tell us that story perhaps, and you know what it's all about and all of that. Some of the parables are not as well known, and that's the case for the parable we're going to look at today. In fact, the parable we're going to look at today is only in the Gospel of Matthew. It's not in Mark or Luke. It's only in that one parable, or on that, in that one Gospel. So, go ahead and take your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. In this chapter, Jesus tells seven different parables in this one chapter, and they all have the same theme, the kingdom of God. He tells seven different stories, seven different parables about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13. And one of those stories, actually the second story that he tells, Jesus addresses the age-old question of the problem of evil. Have you ever wondered why is there evil in the world? Or where did evil come from? Or maybe even more, have you ever wondered why doesn't God do something about it? If God is all-powerful and God is sovereign and God is everything we say He is, why is there so much evil in the world? And why doesn't He do something about it? Here's the amazing thing. Jesus addresses that very issue in a parable or a story about weeds. You got any weeds in your yard? You, you, you ever wonder, where do the weeds come from, right? I never planted any weeds. I've planted grass I've never planted weeds. Where do the weeds come from? Jesus tells a story about weeds to help you and I understand why is there evil in the world? Now, why won't God do something about it? Only Jesus could take something as simple and common as weeds and make it a theologically rich story or truth for us. In fact, Bible scholar William Barclay has said that the parable of the weeds is probably the most practical parable that Jesus ever told. And I think I would agree with him because the unique thing about this parable we're going to look at, once you understand the parable, it helps you understand the, the ungodliness that has infiltrated our world, the perversion that has infiltrated our society. Even in 2022, the parable of the weeds Helps us understand what we see on the news. Helps us understand what we read online. The parable of the weeds gives us a frame of reference for the evil that is so prevalent in this world that God owns. And so I want to begin today just with kind of the context of the parable. Before we ever read the, the story, 
I want to give you the context of the parable. I want you to notice how it opens in verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like. It says, then Jesus told another parable. That is the second parable. The first one was parable of the sower. Verse 24, then Jesus told another parable. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Notice that opening phrase. The kingdom of heaven is like. You'll see that six times throughout this story. Or throughout this chapter. Uh, Matthew 13, he tells us these Seven different parables about the kingdom of heaven. It always begins with the kingdom of heaven is like a net. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And just like that, just on and on and on throughout the story. So let me remind you what a parable is. A parable is a story with a point. A parable is a story with a lesson. Usually just one lesson, just one point that Jesus is trying to make. Or to say it this way, look on the screen. The parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, with that in mind, we're going to read the parable of the weeds. Would you take God's Word, Matthew chapter 13, beginning again in verse 24, and here's what we read. Jesus told them another parable or another story, and here here it is. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now, a couple of things I'll just pull, point out to you as we're reading. First, I want you to look in verse 24, and I want you to answer. I want you to talk back to me. Whose field was it? According to verse 21. Verse 24, rather. Kingdom of heaven is, is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Alright? Just remember this phrase, his field, because we'll find out who the man is in just a moment. But verse 25, but while everyone was sleeping... Notice this, his enemy, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. Now, verse 26 is a key verse. It says, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. In other words, until that point, no one knew that there were weeds there. No one knew what the enemy had done. No one noticed that there were weeds growing up among the wheat. And let me show you why. Look at this picture. On the left-hand side is wheat in its early stages. It's not ripe yet. It's, it's growing. On the right-hand side is what's called darnel wheat. Darnel wheat is not really wheat. It's a weed that looks like wheat. And that's probably what Jesus had in mind when He told this story. From where you're sitting, you can tell that those two things look very much alike, right? Imagine if there was a field filled with that. That there was a field of wheat, but the enemy came in and he sowed the darnel wheat. The darnel wheat, by the way, was poisonous. The enemy came to sow poisonous seed among the wheat. And in its early stages, it's hard to tell which is which. That's why it says the enemy came in at night, sowed it, and he went away. Then it says, look at the next verse. Then it says, verse 26, when the wheat sprouted, It was not until the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. In other words, no one noticed there were weeds there until the wheat sprouted and formed heads. Then it became evident that that's wheat and that's a weed. Let me show you what that looks like. On the left is wheat. You can see the heads, the the, the grain has sprouted. On the right is the darnel, weed. And you can see the difference. It becomes evident once it has sprouted. 
So this is the story that Jesus told. It's actually, uh, before this time, it actually looks like the same thing. But eventually it becomes evident what is what. Now, verse 27, let's pick up the story. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good wheat in the field? Where then did the weeds come from? In other words, they're looking at this now, okay? Now that they're at this point, and they can tell that this is wheat and this is weeds. And so they go to the master and say, Hey, hey, boss, we got a question. I mean, you sold you, you put good seed in the ground, right? I mean, I mean, you, you didn't get that at the local market. You went and paid a high dollar for that seed, right? You put good seed in the ground, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, where did the weeds come from? Look at the story. It's amazing. Verse 28, an enemy did this, he said. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? You want us to go out there and pull up all that Darnell wheat? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up or pull up the wheat with them. Then, in other words, watch this, look up here for a moment. Their, their roots are so intertwined, they're growing together, and their roots are so intertwined, if you try to pull it up right now, you might pull up the, the wheat with the weeds. So what do you do? How do you handle that? Oh, the, the owner had the answer. Verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I tell the, the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. That's an amazing story. He said, no, no, no. Just let it grow together to the harvest and then we'll settle it. So that was the story that Jesus told. And then it, the Bible says in this text that after he told that story, the Bible says that he told two more stories. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. And then it says in verse 36, then he left the crowd and went into the house, probably in Capernaum. Some of you have been to Capernaum with me, and you remember Simon Peter's house there in his, near, near the synagogue. And that's probably where they went. They probably went to the house of Simon Peter there in Capernaum. Now, what's interesting is this. The disciples, once they got into the house, they asked Jesus a question. Look what they said. Verse um, 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. In other words, they're they're saying to Jesus, "I, I don't exactly get all of this. I'm really curious about that last story that you told. You know, that story about the weeds and the wheat. I, could, you, could you explain that one to us? I mean, I understand the mustard seed. I got that one. And, and I know that little short story you told about the yeast, and I understand that one. But I'm kind of scratching my head about that story about the weeds. Can, can you explain that story? So, we come next to the explanation of the parable. Jesus explains every element of this parable. And he says, okay, let me start with the sower. Let me tell you, in that story, who the sower represents. And in that story, Jesus said, the sower represents me. Let me show it to you in the text. Verse 37. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. In other words, what Jesus is going to do is to explain every person in this parable and every element of the parable. He'll tell you in this explanation... He identifies the various people and the elements in the story. And he said, the sower in the story 
is me, is the Son of Man. That was his favorite way to, to reference himself, the Son of Man. Then he goes on to describe the field. He said, the field is the world. Look in verse 38. This is crucial that you get this. It simply says, the field is the world. The field is the world. I want to make sure you get that. I want to make sure you hear that and don't bypass that. Because listen to me church, sometimes people interpret this text wrongly. Sometimes they will interpret this text as the field is the church. And that's not what Jesus said. In other words, sometimes people look at this story, this parable, and they'll say the, the field is the church. That is, that, uh, that there are weeds and there are wheat in the church. That there's never going to be a pure church. There's believers and there's unbelievers. And they're all kind of tied together in the church. And that's the way the people sometimes interpret this parable. That Jesus, they say, told this parable that, to show that the church was never going to be pure until the end of the age. That's not what he says. He says the field is what, church? Talk to me. The field is what? You see, you know, let me tell you what this is a picture of. This is a picture of the church living in the world rather than the world infiltrating the church. That's an important distinction. Jesus said the field is the world, and that, listen to me, that is where He wants to sow the good seed. In the world. He has a worldwide mission. He is the Savior of the world. He sends the disciples in Matthew 28 out to the world to sow the good seed. The field is the world. This is not a story about how the church is infiltrated with weeds or unbelievers. This is a story of how we live as the church in this world that is filled with evil. Then he said the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom or Christians. That's another way of saying Christians. Verse 38, don't miss that Jesus specifically calls us sons of the kingdom. How do we enter the kingdom of God? We enter the kingdom of God, of course, by faith. We put our faith in Jesus as our king. And so, so this is referring, this good seed is referring to believers. So far, none of that is surprising. That, none of that is hard to follow. But this is where the weeds come in. I want you to listen closely. The weeds stand for something. Look at this. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. It's right there in the text. Again, verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Just like there are sons of the kingdom... There are also sons of the evil one. And just like you enter the kingdom by putting your faith in Jesus, you are sons of the evil one when you don't believe in Jesus. There are two kinds of seeds. Believers and unbelievers. May I call to your attention, there is not a third category. May I remind you, there is not a third option. May I say to you today that all of us, as in all of us, are in one of those two groups. Sons of the kingdom or sons of the evil one. And you might say, no, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I am not a Christian, but I'm not a bad person either. If you're not a son of the kingdom, with your faith in Jesus Christ, you are, according to this story, a son of the evil one. There's not a third option. There's not a third group. So you've got to choose which team you're going to be on. You've got to choose which side you're going to be on. You have to decide which place you're going to be. That's what this story is all about. The world we live in is a world that is filled with sons of the kingdom 
and sons of the evil one. Those who have put their faith in Jesus and those who have not. That's the world we live in. All right? So the weeds are the sons of the evil one. Look at the next one. The enemy is the devil. That is, remember in the story, the enemy came at night to sow bad seed in the the man's field. So Jesus said the enemy is the devil. Verse 39 is very clear. Uh, He said in verse 38, the weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. I know this is just a parable, but if you think about it really in some ways, this story is a summary of human history. What do you mean by that, Pastor? God and the devil have been sowing good seed and bad seed for all of history. I mean, just think about the Garden of Eden. That was God's field and He sowed good seed in His field. And all of a sudden, Satan came along and he sowed the bad seeds of temptation in God's field. See, this is a summary of what's been happening throughout all of history. There is an enemy, the devil. And we ask the question, why is there evil in the world? I can tell you why there is evil in the world. At least a partial answer is this. There is evil in the world because God has an enemy. See, that's the point of the story. Verse 25, look at it again. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, not just a enemy, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. There's evil in the world because God has an enemy and the enemy is the devil. You cannot understand the world that we live in without taking into account that there is an enemy of God at work in our world. And I just want you to notice verse 25. I don't want to make too big of a deal out of this. But in verse 25, I want you to notice the destructiveness of the enemy and his work. He is intentionally sowing bad seed in God's field for the very purpose of destroying the harvest. His very purpose is to destroy the harvest of God. And so he is intentionally putting bad seed in God's field. The motivating force behind that is to destroy the harvest. People in the days of Jesus assumed that when the Messiah would come, He would blow the whistle and it would be game over for the evil in the world. That once Messiah came, evil would be abolished. But that's not what happened, is it? Jesus came and He died on the cross for the evil that's in our hearts. He died on the cross for the sin that is in our world. But after He died on the cross, after He was resurrected, after He went back to heaven, evil was still here. Evil was still prevalent. So it asks, we ask a logical question, is God really in control? Can I actually believe in a sovereign girl, a sovereign world in the... Let me try it again. Can I actually believe in a sovereign God in the world I live in? I mean, you watch the news. You read stuff online. You talk to your neighbors. You know what it's like. And and it just seems like every time you turn on the news, there's something else that is shocking and disturbing and discouraging and disgusting. And, And it raises the question, can I actually believe in a sovereign God in a world like this? If God is in control, why is our world out of control? Hang on to those questions. We're going to come back to them. So we come to the next element. We're just trying to understand the parable as Jesus teaches us, explains to us this parable. And He says, the harvest, look at the next, the harvest 
that was in the story, the harvest is the end of the age. In the story, there was a harvest. And Jesus said the harvest represents the end of the age. And he tells us that in verse 39. Right now, we're living in the days of grace. Are you glad we're living in the days of grace? Right now, that's, when, that's where we're living, in days of grace. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a day of judgment ahead. And until that day, listen to me. Listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. We're living in days of grace. There's a day of judgment ahead. But until that day comes, until the harvest comes, until that day of judgment, we are living in a time where this world will be a place where there is always good seed and bad seed living together. If you were to go with me to Israel... I would take you to a community, the remnants of a community, called the Essenes of Qumran. The Essenes left Jerusalem and they tried to flee from the evil around them. And they set up this community in the deserts near the Dead Sea. And their whole purpose was to escape the evil in the world. And they believed that by meditating and reading Scripture and ritual baths and, and mainly by isolating away from the evil that is in the world, that they could maintain a pure line. and They could maintain the purity in their walk with God. They were trying their best to get away from the evil weeds around them. But if I understand verse 30, verse 30 says there will always be a mixture of wheat and weeds. There will always be a mixture of good and evil until the harvest. Look in verse 30. He says, let them grow together until the harvest. Can I say it to you this way? Ladies and gentlemen, there are no ideal spots in the world. There are no places in the world where it's like, okay, you can get away from all ungodliness if you go there, or if you live there, or if you go to that church, if you go to this place. You can get away. There are no ideal places in the world. Our lives will be intertwined with people who have values that are different from ours. And it will always be that way until the harvest. Wherever Christ sows His people, Satan will sow His weeds. And it will always be that way until the harvest. That will be true at school. That will be true at work. That will be true wherever you live. That will be true in your neighborhood. That wherever God is sowing the good seed, Satan will do his best to sow the bad seed. So don't get frustrated. Stay engaged. Don't get frustrated. Keep living for Jesus. Don't get frustrated. Understand that until the harvest comes, you will always be living around unbelievers. Always. The whole point of the story that Jesus told was to help us to understand the evil that is in our world and where it comes from. Jesus said there's an enemy. And the enemy sows bad seed. And the good seed and the bad seed will grow together until the harvest. And so the last thing as Jesus explains this story, the seventh element, if you will, is this. The harvesters are angels. It's interesting, sometimes we try to determine who's part of God's family and who's not. We try to decide who's in and who's out. We try to decide who's a believer and who's not a believer. And, and, you know, I understand how, how all that happens. But at the harvest time, it will not be your job or my job to determine who's a Christian and who's not. That will be the job of the angels. 
By the way, our job is not to pull the weeds. Our job is to sow the seed. That's our job. Our job is just to help sow the seed. It'll be God's job, the angels specifically, to pull the weeds. So, let's look at this, if you will, for just a second. Jesus describes the fate of the believers and the unbelievers once the harvest day comes. Let's read, again, this is the explanation of Jesus as He explains the parable He's just told. He says in verse 40, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, or at the harvest time. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Would you notice the word everything and the word all? We're talking about a complete, a complete separation. Verse 41, the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Now verse 42 is heartbreaking. They will throw in, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said, just like in the story, how they gather the weeds, they bundle it up, and they throw it into the fire to be burned. Jesus said, in the same way, that's a description of what's going to happen at the end of the age. Those who are unbelievers, they will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And then Jesus says these words, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention. Listen and pay attention is what that means. And so with with that context, with that explanation, I quickly, before I close, want to give you just three lessons that apply to your life and mine regarding this story that Jesus told, this parable, if you will. Here's the first one. Lesson number one is this. Satan is at work. I know that's obvious, but we have to say it. We have to remember it. Hey folks, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, in your community, doesn't matter where you, doesn't matter where you go on vacation, doesn't matter where you, Satan is at work. And he's not at work some days, he is at work every day. Satan is at work. He's the enemy that Jesus told this story about. He's the enemy that is always working. Verse 24 and 25, verses 37 through 39. While our Lord is working to bring people into the kingdom, Satan is working to keep them out of it. And we must never forget there is a battle being waged that we don't see. There's a battle being waged that you don't see. Remember what it says in verse 25 that the enemy came at night while nobody was noticing, while nobody saw, and he planted the bad seed, there is a battle being waged every day that you and I do not see. But it is real. And let me tell you something. One of Satan's chief tactics is to counterfeit that which is good. He loves to plant those in the world who look enough like the real thing to lead others astray. In fact, some of you have been reading through 1 John with me. Maybe you will remember reading these words in 1 John 4.1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John was saying, listen, you need to be careful and you need to test what you hear and what what you're listening to and who you're following because there are false teachers in the world because Satan is at work and he's always planting bad seed. Does that make sense to anybody? 
That's why in your Bibles, if you read your Bibles, it talks about false apostles in 2 Corinthians 11. It talks about false ministers also in 2 Corinthians 11. It talks about a false gospel in Galatians 1. It talks about false prophets in 2 Peter 2. It talks about a false doctrine in Hebrews 13. And it even talks about false miracles in 2 Thessalonians 2. Because Satan is always at work sowing weeds among the wheat, always counterfeiting and opposing what God's doing. Satan is at work in our world and he's sowing bad seed everywhere, isn't he? But watch this, number two. God is at work too. Can somebody say amen to that one? God is at work too. I don't want you to have the idea that Satan is winning. God is at work too. And God is sowing good seed all over His world. God is at work everywhere, every day, sowing the good seed. Just recently we had vacation Bible school and I think it was 14 precious children who gave their lives to Christ. You know what was happening that night? God was sowing good seed in the world. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to have an IMB missionary. I'll be preaching next Sunday, but he's going to give a brief report to tell you about how God is sowing good seed all over Southeast Asia. God is at work in our world. He's sowing good seed everywhere He goes. And in this story, it was Jesus who was at work sowing the good seed in the world. So in those times when you're watching the news, I don't know if you ever do this, do you ever watch the news and just get mad? Man, I do. I watch the news sometimes and I get disgusted and I I watch the news and it's like, how could they even think about that? Why would that... How is... I just get so frustrated. Here's Here's a suggestion. Whenever you watch the news and you want to throw something through the TV... Just remind yourself before you chunk the remote, remind yourself God is still sowing good seed in spite of that. God is sowing good seed all over the world. Yes, Satan is at work. He's at work every day. He's sowing the bad seed. But in this story, God, the Lord Jesus Himself, is sowing good seed and He's sowing good seed every day. But now I've got to tell you the The third lesson from this text, God has a plan. Ladies and gentlemen, we've asked these questions earlier. I said, hang on to those questions. We've asked the questions before. I know you have and I I know I have. Questions like, is God really in control? There's so much junk happening in the world. Stuff and just unusual, just, just downright evil in our world. And it's like, is God really... In control? I mean, can I actually believe that there's a sovereign God in charge of this universe that has become so corrupt and so perverse and so evil? Why doesn't God do something about the evil in the world? And part of the answer is this. Listen, listen, listen. Part of the answer is this. Jesus tells us the story of the wheat and the weeds to say, God is going to do something at the harvest. Right now, Think of, think of this world in two stages. There is the present tense and there's the future tense. And it is the kingdom of God in charge of both. The kingdom of God is in charge of the present tense. In the present tense, the Lord Jesus died on the cross to conquer all sin, all hell, all evil. He died on the cross to give you an opportunity to, to be turned from weeds to wheat. That's the present tense. Jesus died to defeat all evil and all sin. That's the present tense. The future tense is there will be a day 
when the Lord Jesus will come back and conquer once and for all the evil and the sin that is in the world. There was a day when He was the sacrifice. There's coming a day when He will be the harvester. He'll send His angels to separate the wheat from the weeds. And really, that is the sad part of God's plan. It brings me no joy to tell you this. But God's plan is that at the harvest, unbelievers will be punished for their sins. Jesus said, just like the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. Those who have not put their faith in Christ, those who are unbelievers, those who are sons of the evil one, there will be a final separation. And those who have caused sin and those who do evil, according to this text, will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We sometimes read judgment passages like that one and think it's all bad news. But can I tell you what the good news is? The good news is you don't have to be punished for your sins. That's what the cross is all about. He sent the Lord Jesus into the world to conquer the evil and the sin at the cross. But He will come again. And He will take care of the problem of evil once and for all. Now is the time to believe. Now is the time to be saved. Now is the time to move out of the realm of the evil one and to become a son of the King. The parable of the weeds and the wheat. Jesus said, you're you're one or the other. It's not a third group. You're one or the other. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The harvest is coming. And if you're not ready for that moment, then you need today, right now, to repent of your sin and to believe the gospel. Now is the time for you to do that. Now is the time for you to believe. Now is the time to be saved because judgment will eventually come. Right now we are thankfully living in days of grace where the weeds and the wheat are growing together. Thankfully we are living in days of grace. But the harvest is coming. It will be a time of eternal separation. And for some... It'll be a time of eternal damnation. If you've not put your faith in Christ yet, now is the time to believe. Now is the time to be saved. That's why Jesus ended the story with verse 43. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen, listen, listen. Because you may need to respond. Father, in the name that is above every name, speak in such a way that we clearly hear your voice. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.